everyone, and welcome to another episode of Do I Still Love It? The podcast that's great. Like the yeah, that's the good. Tiger. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I flubbed it on the first attempt, listeners. So I was looking for feedback. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm your host, Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. And every week, Laura and I have a friend over to watch a movie or a TV show that they loved when they were kids to see whether or not they still love it now that they're an adult. And our returning guest, the grown-up little kid this week, is Celery Jones. Hi. Uh, you guys, this is this is a very impromptu <laughs> episode. We were at dinner... We are just we got having to burritos. talking about the movie that we're about Korean to do. Fusion. Korean burritos. Yeah. And then we were like, why don't we go have a movie night? <laughs> this is exactly how I've always wanted to do this show. Like this off the cuff type of thing where I'm like, <laughs> let's slab dash the microphones together and make it happen. Yeah. And so um, I'm super pumped. She made us stop talking about what we were talking about. She's like, no, save it for the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, and the thing we're saving for the show is... Uh, I was like, oh, Celery, you got to be back on the show. And she's like, yes, yes. Well, are we, are we going to do Flight of the Navigator? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and, and now we're doing And so now Flight we're doing 1986's Flight of the Navigator, directed by Randall Kleiser, who was the director of Grease and The Blue Lagoon oh. and Big Top Pee Wee. <gasps> Really? And honey, I blew up the kid, but mm. not honey. I shrunk so the it nose. sounds like it's a second, a second stint director, like Big Top Pee Wee, not the original. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. honey, I blew up the kid. He's yeah. the guy you bring in, like, as a strong B team. Yeah, like, <laughs> look, dude, all you need to do is replicate the style of the first movie. Uh, and so I'll be interested to know whether or not he's replicating a style of another you know, kids sci-fi maybe adventure. Maybe this is just his film. Maybe we're maybe we're selling him too short here. I, I don't want to sell him too short. I haven't seen this since like it came out. I'm pretty yeah. sure the last time I saw it was maybe once on the Disney Channel after it was in the theater. So, so, so yeah, so Celery, what do you remember this movie being about what is the plot okay so basically this kid i'm pretty sure he like chases his dog into the woods i remember it being the fourth of july and i don't know there's just like some fireworks or something but then he sees this spaceship and somehow he gets on it and there's no like alien person exactly it's just like a robot situation but then they go on this um we can go anywhere you want and he's like oh let's go all the way into space oh, let's go all the way back into the ocean. And I remember that being a scene. But then he comes back and it's like 10 years later. So he's been missing for like, or however, I don't know that it's 10 years. Whoa. I just think it was like that. I, and he's been missing. But the he, the dude brought him back to the right house, but his family didn't even live there anymore. Uh, I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. Oh, but, oh man. Gosh. So that gets dark. I completely yeah. did not remember this part of it. Okay. And I have another thing to say, and this yes, is important please. to me as a child, that he had a nurse in, like, essentially the psych ward or wherever the government was holding him after the spaceship came back. And I think it was Sarah Jessica Parker. I might be way off on this, but it was somebody like her. And I remember she had, like, a purple ponytail that he was confused by. The kid was. Oh, and the kid hasn't aged, by the way, in this time. and Which would be, yeah, you know, mildly correct for running around 
you know, time and uh, space. I mean, insofar as we could fathom, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but then she yeah, had just gone to a, relativity. Yeah. I just remember that the nurse had gone to a Twisted Sister concert. And I was like, whoa, what's that? Oh, hey, that's another nod to Pee Wee, though. Because wasn't Twisted Sister in the first one? Probably. A completely unrelated. Oh, man. But, but I mean, you know, maybe he's just cashing in on his Twisted Sister connect. You know, that's <laughs> random. Rand- just calling in a favor from D. Snyder. Like, dude, I need your guys back in this movie. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a sci-fi movie, like, kids getting involved in mysterious, somewhat dangerous-sounding sci-fi, like E.T., uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited because, uh, you know, Stranger Things Season 2 just came out, Laura and I watched it, we loved it. I'm, like, so obsessed right now, I'm, like, that weird person that's, like, watching 14-year-olds, like, give interviews, it's, like, getting <laughs> oh, weird. It's, it's adorable, I've only it's seen amazing. the first one, I just, actually, I just started it today, and, oh. yeah, I'm in. Yeah, we loved it. But, I mean, as you can imagine, on a show like Do I Still Love It, a show whose one of its central premises is paying homage to the nostalgic time of the 1980s. So uh, we're just loving it. And But I'm interested because there's definitely a lot of homages, especially in the second season. And I, so now I'm interested when watching some of these, like, kind of classic kid sci-fi, kid horror, kid suspense movies and seeing... Do I see any like calls or references to Stranger Things that I had even that Stranger Things picked up on Mm -hmm. or was making that I didn't even remember because it's been so long since I've seen this movie? Yeah, because now I basically just watch everything through the guise of Stranger Things. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh yeah, they did in Stranger Things. Uh, (laughs) Gosh, I really wish I was caught up with you all because I want to talk about that. But I won't say anything. But I'm excited for you. Oh, yeah, all yeah. right. Yeah. It's a, th- a thoroughly satisfying <laughs> My weekend is planned. Season. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, so uh, right before we get into it, real quickly, what do you think drew Little Celery to loving this movie? Just my suspicion that aliens were real. And after I saw Flight of the Navigator, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, they are real because, like, look at Flight of the Navigator. That seems totally plausible. Right. I think so. that's the only other detail that I think you left off that I did remember is that while there isn't a alien, you know, little right. green man on the navigator ship, there are like little tiny alien guys, like <laughs> in cages, like alien hamsters and shit. And alien one has a cold. Hamsters. One's like a worm, and I remember it has a cold because, oh my gosh, I think I think the kid's name. No, it's not. It couldn't be Elliot. Anyway, no, Elliot. Yeah, the that's ET. ET. Yeah, yeah, there's no way it was that. But uh, it was like this little worm thing, and he had all this like slime on it and he was like oh he the robot says oh he has a cold and the thing like kind of sneezes and it kind of bounces that's the other like one thing that i remember from this movie oh wow gross and there was like a dog frisbee fight not fight uh competition (laughs) i think i remember that too oh and there was a dog (laughs) frisbee competition yeah (laughs) i'm very excited yeah it'd be better if it was a fight well uh uh, yeah, I'll be very interested to see whether or not uh, this movie holds up or if it slides by the wayside. Won't you watch it with us as we watch 1986's Flight of the Navigator? David, what time did you enter the woods? Around 8 o'clock. Then what happened? Then I reached this Transmitting in alpha waves with complex frequency patterns in them. I, I know I fell. It's 1986, man. Eight years since that night. This is totally rad. I mean, you're my big little brother. I think we should take a look at this. Where did this come from? 
for the mind of a 12-year-old boy. He's hurt. He's calling me. His voice keeps calling. Saying something over and over and over, but I can't understand very much. Help you. How? is flight of the navigator and uh whoa it has the time travel bit is like adult film level mind fuck that was a trippy movie like that was a little bit hard to grasp that it i understand that it was made for kids like the deeper you get into the movie But it is a very destabilizing film. Especially for the bulk of the first act. Yeah. <laughs> um so so yeah, so Celery, you had it you had the plot line right. Um, but the part that I think, even through from your explanation that I, I didn't get until we were watching it, is in the beginning, when our protagonist David uh, gets lost in the woods, he then wakes up where he's fallen down, goes back to his house and finds out that his parents don't live there anymore. And it has been eight years when it feels like he just tripped. And he returns and like, they take him to the police station and they find this, this like old missing, missing persons report. Yeah. And his whole family is there, but it's eight years later and his snot nosed little brother shows up and he's like a hot, like 18 year old. (laughs) And his parents have gotten pouchy and older. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, uh, the kid is right. Is doing a pretty decent kid acting job of like being yeah. legit freaked out. Right, like the kid he, could cry on command. That yeah. was impressive. He, well, he could, when he does, first of all, the house, like the people that live there, it couldn't have been that long. You know, if they yeah. had the house, I think that they would have had some recollection of, oh, yeah, we lost our son, whatever, you know, that right. had to be brought up at some point. During right. The house yeah. Sale. No, that is a good like, point. Because, like, if you sell your house and you have lost your child, then you move. I'm pretty sure you would make sure that that information was passed down to the next people <laughs> there just in case the kid shows up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just or something. I don't know. It just seems like even if I would, if like, I lost my kid. Yeah. But also, I think if you, got I don't to, think I would ever move. I think I would be. Yeah. Well, you gotta imagine though. Like, there's no way that the adults were wait looking for a 12 year old. They were looking for by this time like a 20 year old person. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's kind of the part that because this is a kids movie, it only sort of like 
dusts at. But, like, that's a crazy concept. If you can imagine being a parent, your child going missing. You have to go through all the agony of, of a child that just goes missing. And then the kid shows up and, and it's eight still eight years the kid. later, yeah, shows up, but it's the kid from the moment they left. Mm-hmm. Not the 20-year-old who's been held captive by some cult, but... It, your kid from the moment you left him wearing his same clothes and everything. I think the thing that really was unsettling for me was when he goes to the door, the cops take him to his parents' house and he goes to the door and he's like, mom, dad. And then they show up and they're visibly older and they have not aged well. And yeah. it's instantly a horror film to me. And yeah. he's just like, ah, and it's like, and the parents are like fawning on him, but it's like, really creepy and I don't know there was just something very paranoia-y about how they were like coming at holding him and mm -hmm. no it's just the looks on their faces was very like this is horrifying for this child and I am horrified yeah because you can tell how scared he is and I really think it is like Twilight Zone but for kids (laughs) you know because Twilight Zone was often really you know, I mean, it's really messed up. And there are even the original episodes, like, there are some that really strike me. You know, mm-hmm. pig nurses. But yeah. anyway. the Also, I just don't want to wash over the fact that the movie starts with an incredible scene of jumping dogs. Oh, okay, yes. So, <laughs> so one thing the movie does a lot through the first act is uh, tease that you're seeing the UFO and then it turns out not to be the UFO. <laughs> and one time it's a blimp and one time it's like a bl- like some other thing but in the opening sequence the flying saucers turn out to be frisbees that as you mentioned frisbees yeah um and (laughs) as the as the frisbees are being tossed around there's just these lovely shots of like dogs in slow motion jumping up to grab frisbees (laughs) it's no no wonder that we in the internet age love watching videos of dogs and cats yeah and as the dogs are leaping around and all three of us are commenting on how wonderful it is to start a movie with dogs bounding about. Laura says, Every dog we see is dead. Yeah. I was like, y'all. All of these dogs, dogs are dead. All of these dogs are dead. <laughs> so just bear that in mind if you haven't watched the movie yet. Like, like yeah. that's something that's just crazy. I don't, I can't explain why that was just so crazy to me. <laughs> this movie was shot in 1985, 86. Six, yeah. And so I'm like watching these beautiful dogs and I'm like, there is statistically no way any of these dogs are still alive. (laughs) Statistically. it was like this really dark moment of how old I am. But then the uh, brother, what's his name, Jeff? Uh, He he says, well, he makes some comment about the dog and he's like, he's a talented dog. And he's like, more like retarded dog. And all three of us were like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That was not a word I expected to hear in a Disney movie. Right. It's interesting. It's very much a sign of the times that that at this time, it it just wasn't a thing in a kid's movie for kids to use the term retarded Mm -hmm. in a pejorative sense. And it's interesting because like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I know I definitely said it a lot when I was younger. You know, like that was definitely something. I actually wasn't. I was not informed that that word was real bad until I was an adult. Yeah. yeah. Like in my mid-20s, I think, was the first time that someone was like, nope, 
Yeah. I think that's you're not alone in that. Like I think the yeah. real push for people to seriously stop using that word really did come like in the early 2000s. Yeah, right. I was going to say it was like in the last 15 20 years maybe because right. I was definitely out of high school before. Right. Yeah. And it's like wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. So it's just very jarring though to hear it um to hear it in a Disney movie yeah. at this time. Yeah. Especially referring to a dog. <laughs> that yeah. dog can't yeah. help us being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dog. And hey, when it's eight years in the future, the dog is capable of catching a That's frisbee. Right. So you can teach a new dog tricks. <laughs> so personal martial story time. Uh, so this, the before he falls asleep for eight years, when we're just seeing David interact with his brother Jeffrey, which is weird. <laughs> because Super weird. So, uh, I was commenting on how much their interactions remind me of the interactions I have with my own brother. I have a my own brother who's three years younger than me. And when we were about Jeffrey and David's age, <laughs> we picked on each other and like would, you know, pick at each other and just never let each other alone. Fun fact, all the guys, time. Marshall's but, first name is, is actually Je- Jeffrey. Jeffrey. And my <laughs> brother's brother is... name is David. That so is Jeffrey so and David are also me and my brother's names. And they were behaving a lot like them. And then also his... <laughs> pissant little brother that would never leave him alone had glasses and kind of like bucky teeth which my brother when he was young had glasses and bucky teeth and i did wear the little collared shirt like i looked a lot yeah they visually looked a lot like us there's no reason for you to have been for you to have remembered if you had been abducted and taken to phelan Good question. Oh. Did you get abducted and taken to Phelan? And then the this movie was made about it. This would make a lot of sense about you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, like, your, like, Eleven-style ability to, like, fuck with radio waves and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, so that was that was in here. We had some uh, uh, controlling machines with your mind and radio waves. And there was a fun little... But eight- not... But I think the important thing for me was he was not controlling it on purpose. You know, and I, um like... It was it was actually like the latent part of his brain was um, controlling it against his awareness. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, excuse me. No. Um, that I thought that one thing that really stood out to me though is for as far as the time the time travel goes, there was a lightning scene where they're just like flying through the you know the they're ether like, and like they break through the time space right. yeah. so it's like mm-hmm. in that era all time travel movies were lightning based like oh, I was so you know, into back it. to the future mm-hmm. and bill and ted's you know it was all lightning had to yeah, come yeah, in there yeah. at some point so do you guys know anything about that what would be the scientific reasoning behind space lightning to make time oh. travel possible okay so my only thought my only thought on that if you're actually posing the question. Yeah, I am. So my only, <laughs> my only thought on that is, you know, this idea that there are certain, like, you know, incontrovertible forces of physics and, like, the electromagnetic mm-hmm. uh, reactions that happen between charged particles is, like, just one of those things that's, you know, we, the Earth itself, is surrounded by an electromagnetic shield that is protecting us. Like, we'd be all roasting alive because right. of the sun, but because of electromagnetism. So the idea is maybe the time-space continuum itself is being held together by electricity. And so when you're flying the navigator ship through the lightning zone... Yeah. Like, let's talk about the navigator ship, because that oh. thing was 
baller. Dude, yeah. that is my incredible effect. That is my that thing was incredible. I cannot believe that that was a piece from the 80s. Yeah. From the in from the outside and the inside, it was so cool. It was like this really cool like chrome clamshell right. and then he goes inside by basically it was like it like turns into like lick molten liquid to to like it looks like mercury melt. Yeah, yeah 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 to melt down into these like ele- uh, these um stairs that just float and then you go inside and it's amazing inside it was one of the <laughs> coolest representations of an alien ship i've ever seen oh, that's a grand superlative too that's yeah. pretty cool yeah. but it was i am absolutely positive that my favorite color being chrome came from this movie i love that <laughs> like, your favorite your favorite color is chrome yeah i'm pretty right, sure you the... reflect all the other colors oh, and it's, it's kind of silver you know so. it's beautiful no it's utterly magical it. yeah it's the most perfect answer that <laughs> the only the only close perfect answer like that is I have another friend Carrie who I asked her what's your spirit animal and she said duckbill platypus without <laughs> even batting an eyelid and I'm like oh my gosh you are definitely a duckbill platypus awesome. <laughs> I love that oh don't get me started on spirit animals because yeah. there's the difference between what you want to be and what you probably are and what I would like to be is like a serval or a you know like a really cool tall like a savanna cat like but I'm really cat. probably like um, I'm a raccoon for sure. <laughs> Easy food, hangs with friends, sees a predator, and is like, "You do you. I'll just be over here. Maybe there's some leftovers." <laughs> like they're just like the chill couch potatoes of the animal world, and that is probably my. Anyway, back to the navigator. I'm probably a raccoon too. Aww, <laughs> trash panda. That's why you guys are pals. You have some other trash like, pandas. Oh crap! There's a bear. That's cool, man. You just go. You know. Yep. <laughs> but also, let's talk about how good the special effects were on this ship because <laughs> I when this when the seat comes up out of the floor. Yeah. Holy Moses! So that's yeah, some. But it also can change shape. Yes. Depending mm-hmm. upon what, like, level it's in. <laughs> level Almond or needle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it turns into this sweet, like, like, what's the word? Like, wedge. Yeah. That can fly super fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it's in its normal clamshell shape, it's definitely shaped in, in a similar, I feel like this shape was then mimicked by uh, the Metroid video games, because mm-hmm. it's totally like the shape of Samus's ship and the <laughs> Metroids themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, it was just really cool, and I thought it was neat how the um, steering device was just two pads for his hand, and he, you know, yeah, like just, floating orbs, right? And yeah. that's beautiful, kind of like Galaga, but yeah, right, right, right. Um, the the other thing that was shaped like you were talking about a like a wedge was that Ralph. What did it stand for? It was the little mail slash food delivery robot. Oh, right. The only way our protagonist is able to escape NASA, which I think it's so (laughs) funny that NASA's the bad guys in this. Uh, But our, uh, you know, when our... When our kid comes back, he's been gone for eight years. NASA has a lot of questions. Well, because they also seem to have a spacecraft. They in also their, have the spaceship right. in in their possession. And when he's getting his brain checked out at the normal people hospital, suddenly his brain takes over <laughs> all of the computers. And my favorite line of the movie, which is, "His brain is communicating directly with the computers in binary code," <laughs> <laughs> which you kept mentioning through the whole thing, and I cracked up. Up every time it's just like, the funniest oh, 
that's just because the binary. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, that was like an incredibly good yeah. plot point because then when anything else weird happened in the thing, they're like, how did it happen? And I was like, his brain yeah. is communicating directly with a computer in, in binary, binary code. code. They they laid it out for us. Yeah. Why are we still asking this question? Yeah. <laughs> that that scene when he's talking directly in binary code, that's one of the more mind fucky scenes. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they have a brain scanner on our kid and they're asking him questions about like where have you been for eight years? And he's like, I don't know. But then the computer is like bringing up answers. And he's like, and so it was like, in analysis on Phelan, mm-hmm. how far away is that? Five hundred sixty light years. Yeah. <laughs> how long was he gone? Two point two solar hours. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were like, what? So he was gone uh, 2.2 solar hours. So it was just like he literally got dropped off two hours later. But eight years had gone by in human years because (laughs) science. (laughs) Hey, that's my answer for everything. Science. Did you guys hear about that thing? The star, what was it? The guy from Blink-182, like, retired 10 years ago and started working with, like, NASA people. And Okay. You know what I'm talking about? So... I saw you talking about this on Facebook, and so I was like, all right, I'll bite. And I clicked on it, and I got so, like, weirded out <laughs> that I was like, I can't. So oh gosh, can yeah. you please, because you seemed really excited because it was so funny. Excited. So can you can you yeah. download this on us? Okay. Yeah. So it's been a minute, and I was kind of confused when I was watching it, but the guy that I was watching it with was so into it. Uh, <laughs> he... My, I had gone for a work meeting at my coworker's house, and her husband was home watching this thing. And he's like, "Can you believe this? I bought some shares in it. This is amazing." And he was like, "Do you believe in aliens?" And I'm like, "Yeah." But uh, he was like, "But you, do you know about this? Like the star? Oh god, I can't believe it. If you, let's call we're it. We're gonna have to look it up. Yeah, let's call, let's call it Star Plan. Yeah, Star Alliance. Star Plan. And it was all all Not the over Reddit, miles. all over the internet for just a blink, right? But it's exactly the kind of conspiracy theory stuff that you would like think, like, oh yeah, the government wants to shut that down. You know, they don't want people talking about it because. He had spent all of his millions, which apparently he made as a Blink-182 <laughs> Yeah, person. I'm sure he made a um, lot of money. Yeah, uh, to start studying all of the stuff. And the main guy, what's it called? Oh, Tom DeLonge, that's his name. Yeah, and he was talking about aliens. And there was this one story he was mentioning that uh, there were military uh, jets that were just out doing a run. And they come across this craft that they don't recognize. And so they... I try to chase it and no dice and it goes straight up and it goes straight across and like the sky, you know, just a blink to be like, hey guys. Are you, you know? sure that he didn't just like drop acid and watch this movie? This could fully be what happened, but no, I'm serious. When I was listening to this, I was like, this is just like Flight of the Navigator. And it's what made me it think. It literally yeah. is just yeah. like Flight of the Navigator. This is so wild. I'm so I'm just reading this right now. And I, you know, like everybody, I listened to that one Blink 182 album that everybody else did. But Tom DeLonge quit the band to yeah. investigate aliens and had to be replaced. Yeah. By some guy named Matt Skiba. Wait, hold up. This happened for real. So Blink-182 is still going. And but without Tom DeLonge. Yeah. To be a professional alien investigator. Yeah, yeah. and you he says guys, right here. This we... is the most important segue we've ever done on this show. <laughs> no, but listen, you can buy. What they're saying is that the government has this space age technology that they've been keeping from the public and now people who used to work for the government that were in the freaking Air Force and all this stuff, the secret like money was going to this, you know, well, it wasn't a secret, it was part of our taxes, 
go into the space program and they have like technology they want to share with the public because it can make life better. They can go plant, grow plants in the desert. All of this stuff. This is what he's saying based so on this info that they you have. You bought some shares? No, I couldn't figure it out. I was trying <laughs> to figure I was trying to figure out where to do it and then it was like, oh, it's 200 bucks a share and I was like, that'd be amazing if this was for real and I really wanted to be real. But also unicorns maybe that was a thing you know yeah, i'm not really the chance the most, of snake oil yeah. is high here yeah. oh, hugely hugely so i was just like good for you dude but your company has shares and it's a alien searching company your shares are either guaranteed to be worth nothing ever yeah or or suddenly infinity money yeah <laughs> like bitcoin yeah <laughs> But, but not also, even with the slow growth of Bitcoin. Like, oh, yeah, it's like zero or $10 billion. A yeah, share. right. Yeah, and that's true. One thing, I, I feel like we can't get by without mentioning that a very young Sarah Jessica Parker is in here playing a very weird, non-important role. <laughs> very non-important role. But I did, I don't remember young Sarah Jessica Parker in anything at her, off the top of my head. What? And really? I found her very charming in this. My girls yeah. just want to have fun. You didn't see that? I never saw that movie. Again. I think the youngest oh. I ever saw her was Hocus Pocus. You're kidding? Yeah. yeah oh there my was gosh, something guys. really charming about her because she was playing like a quirky character that was, I think, like kind of a punk uh-huh. outside of her she's got same. It's basically her same. It is, I swear, mm-hmm. the same role as Girls Just Want to Have Fun, except she doesn't have her cute little Helen Hunt sidekick. Helen Hunt is a tiny child in that, too. Oh, my gosh. Man, and well, she's adorable and quirky. So you guys got to watch that. Well, but. we might have to have you back and watch Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> I'm having fun just thinking about it. Um, but I want to say something. Okay, so Sarah Jessica Parker, she comes in and assists the robot thing. The Ralph, yes. R-A-L-F. But every time he walked into a room, he's saying, pardon me. And I only just got that my whole life. I thought it said, part of me coming through. <laughs> and I was like, why does he say that? Part of me. Where's the rest? It's awesome. Like, no jokes. I really did think it said that. Was, I thought that was kind of a funny bit of sci-fi that was unnecessary was the idea that, oh, and also NASA has robots. Yeah. <laughs> that move your food. That move your food around and have a mail slot. But also need. <laughs> like human supervision sometimes right and is apparently a piece of shit robot like Sarah Jessica Parker is like sorry this robot's a piece of shit it's like it's okay (laughs) well that and the fact that this supposed crap robot is allowed to travel by itself across the entire base and they're just like like, oh a Ralph is here we don't need to check like the number of the Ralph we don't need to like scan the Ralph in we'll just open the door for it to go in by itself we'll use our Access into card. the space alien hangar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, David hides himself inside the Ralph bot and rides, is assisted through several security checkpoints. It's very important. I think it's very important to note that this is a kids' movie. Yeah. And so we do have to, you know, stretch those types Suspend of things the disbelief. to yeah. make them a little bit easier because if we actually made it difficult for him to get to the space alien craft. Like, if you make that harder, you're just going to turn this movie more and more into, like, a sci-fi horror film. Because that's the thing about this movie that I found really interesting, is there were times when it was incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. So when we when we get onside the ship, the ship's AI talks to David, and it took us a while to place the voice. Um, <laughs> and it's Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, and the thing is, 
at doing first, his Pee Wee Herman uh, laugh. Yeah, at first he's fine, but right before kind of the last act starts, uh, he downloads all these star maps that have been hidden on David's mind, uh, in David's brain. Uh, although one thing I thought was really cool, and I think definitely resonated, like stuck with me from this, is the spaceship says, I had to download all these star charts into your brain. And he's like, well, why did you choose me? And he's like, why not you? And I think it's this sort of like kind of cool moment that, because up until that point, our, like David's sort of like every like kind of young kid where he's like, you know, I don't matter. Aww. I'm unimportant or whatever. And having a spaceship be like, why not you? Mm-hmm. Is kind of a, I don't know. I think it's like a cool just moment. So the, uh, the machine downloads the star maps. And the moment he downloads the star maps, he also apparently downloads a bit of the kid's personality or something. And from then on out... Or like his out, memories or yeah. his vocabulary. Yeah, because he starts making references to, like he says, a bunch of product jingles. And he <laughs> says some lines from movies. And that's where the thing gets... That's, I feel like that's like a turning point Yeah, for the film where it just becomes like slapsticky fun. And I did not like yeah, that. I didn't like it either. Mm. It was weird because I liked that... I will admit that's around the time I started to doze off. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's literally. Like, I ah, like, think whatever. I missed about 15 minutes of this movie, but it was all <laughs> after that. Yeah. Oh, you probably didn't miss much. Also, just to back up, Jeff at one point is just like as an older person I think is far too well adjusted to have <laughs> once thought that he was the cause of his brother's kidnapping or, I mean you like know. we can psychoanalyze that I wonder if like his parents were so distraught when he was 10 years old that he was suddenly like well I feel guilty so I should be strong and like support them huh. right and it turned him into this like very dependable kid because the funny thing is the kid that we meet is definitely not the Jeff I would have anticipated from that <laughs> snot-nosed little kid. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was. I would have definitely expected a different personality. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he went through a big personality shift when his brother, you know, disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is part of the having to suspend disbelief for the purpose of a kid's movie because uh, this movie could have gone into, like, this is what... When a family thinks a kid it is avoided it like, like the plague, and it avoided mm-hmm. it because again, this is a movie for kids. It's well, also an adventure movie. That's true. It's and a weird adventure movie because most of the adventure happens without us know, without him screen, knowing about yeah, it, yeah. or without him remembering it. Yeah, yeah. But well, I don't know. I think stopping at the different places was certainly an adventure. Like uh, the yeah. like going to the gas station in the bayou the or wherever they were. The gas station attendant is. With, uh, roly poly, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, they come to a they come with to an a, Academy Award winning performance. Yeah, the, at one point after flying up in outer space and under the water, the navigator uh, and the ship flies out into the middle of Podunk nowhere. Yeah, and <laughs> the gas station attendant just stares slack jawed at the UFO. I think he's actually for the drooling. next five minutes. He's a yokel. It was fantastic, and at the very end, we found out that his actual name, his <laughs> credited name in this film, was 
Rusty Pouch. <laughs> I think if anybody knows of a possible stand-up act that Rusty may have had, it's very strange that his name was Rusty Pouch and yeah. he wanted to be credited that way. Uh, but he did a great job. If his given name is Rusty Pouch, then Rusty, you are this week's Do I Still Love It? <laughs> best background actor absolutely and we would love to speak to you so if you can reach out to us do i still love it at gmail.com rusty pouch we admire your work and it's the name of my very next pet whatever it is i don't care what it is i'm telling you it's gotta be an orange chubby tabby cat (laughs) named rusty pouch literally he is rusty and he has a pouch (laughs) yeah yeah so so our our movie winds down and uh this is when the spaceship says, uh, reminds him that like he can't take him back in time. He, it's too dangerous. And the little kid's like, no, I'm tired of living in this crazy future. Please just take me back. Uh, you know, it's worth the risk. And the ship is able to send him back in time. And he gets to go back to his family as if he never left. Through the power and of lightning. And then he shows up and he tells his mom he loves her. <laughs> now, what 12-year-old boy does that? It was really sweet. And then he tells his little brother that he loves him, too. No 12-year-old boy does that. Not at Not all. even the mama's boys. <laughs> so, but when he's on the ship, he picks up this little alien. Oh, yeah. He asks the uh, ship, what's the deal with this little guy? And he was like, oh, he's just angry because I won't take him back to his home planet. But he doesn't know that his home planet is... You know, Destroyed. been blown up. And I was like, well, okay, can he not understand you right now? Because you're openly talking about him. Yeah, I don't right think there. so because he doesn't speak English. Oh, but well, the, of course, yeah. The That's guy, right. the, the guy, the AI said he speaks like 19,000 languages or something mm-hmm. like that. So he could probably talk little so that is, monster. Yeah, he can speak he can in gurgles. speak in little monster. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. cute. And so David takes cute. him home. And he ends up in his backpack. And so Jeff is completely shocked when David's like, I love you too. But then he sees the little monster come out of his backpack. Then Jeff turns and he's like, shh. David's like, don't say anything. Jeff turns around and is like, okay. And starts playing with his sparkler again. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. If you see a tiny alien, I'm not just going to be like, oh, let me get back to my sparkler. <laughs> like That's not... Yeah. Uh, something's not good here. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, uh, given the fact that there were some pretty intense themes, do you think this was good viewing for you as a kid? Would you show it to a future child of yours should you choose to procreate? Absolutely. Yeah, because it, it like Laura had said, it's, you know, science and technology and, you know, space travel and all of these things. So I think it could be good for curiosity, right? Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's kind of heavy, but, you know, like you said, they just danced around the whole missing person thing you know it was all just love and hugs in the end so yeah totally because i don't remember a lot how heavy this really was so i think as a kid maybe i just couldn't process that oh completely i i think this movie's the perfect kids movie actually i i think i enjoyed this more than i than most like kids movies that we've done on this show because it was smart Mm. It was smart, it was well thought out, but it was still a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh man, this was like an engaging story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it kind of went off the rails a little bit at the end. Like, I don't really know if we needed like literally 30 minutes of him flying around buddy cop style with uh, the <laughs> AI. Herman. With Pee yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, for kids, that's the best part of the movie. Probably. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, no, I, I would totally show this to a child. 
what were you talking about uh, earlier on something like, oh, this is exactly what you were talking about, Marshall. You had mentioned. Oh, yes. Um, the uh, in the in the we'll just call it the buddy cop sequence. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, what were those? They were they like zoom down and there's a bunch of kids driving around in it like. Uh, you know, open top car and they're playing music and the AI is like, what was that noise? And the kid's like, oh, it's music. And he's like, I liked it. Where do you, why do you find music? And he's like, uh, look through the radio station, see if you can find anything. And then basically the AI is clicking through, finding all this music that the kid doesn't like until they land on like the Beach Boys. <laughs> and um, it reminded me of something random Marshall said uh, like last week, actually. Yeah. So it's this, idea uh, like last week laura and i went to go see the new blade runner movie and there's lots of sequences of people flying around in those flying cars and after we got out of the movie i said you know something that irritates me about (laughs) sci-fi sci nobody ever listens to music in the future i feel like i see so many sci-fi movies or movies taking place in the future where people are in flying cars or flying saucers and there's no there's no radio in the spaceship there's no mp3 players no speakers there's no podcasts there's no audiobooks right in the future like if you're having to be a long distance spaceship trucker like you're gonna be listening to some fucking (laughs) eagles (laughs) you know Uh, in a new york minute (laughs) everything can change my parents made us listen to (laughs) hell freezes over like on repeat (laughs) every time we took a family trip down to Alabama. Oh, it was like one of three yeah. albums. It was it was pretty much, we'd listen to that. Dad would say, oh, you can maybe pick out one of these Pink Floyd albums. Yeah. So we'd listen to like the Division Bell, or we'd be listening to Hell Freezes <laughs> oh, Over. Oh man, I got I got so much luckier than that. All I listened to was Starship. Starship, we built hey, this that was not the first tape that I ever bought. We built this yeah. city on rock and roll. I love it. No one's ever listening to music, and it's always been something that's kind of bothered me. So when suddenly we're in a spaceship and uh, yeah. Paul Rubens makes the music play. I was with Laura. I was like, oh my gosh, finally music playing in a... Like, you know, the whole time you, Han Solo's bebopping yeah. around the galaxy. Never once is he listening to some right. like sweet Johnny Cash record or something yeah. like that, you know? But because it was in an, in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Oh, yeah, long right. before Maybe, Johnny Cash. Yeah. I think it has to do with the... Uh, producers or you know filmmakers to not have to come up with new music and change your idea of what music would sound like in that realm uh-huh. you know like because it would probably wouldn't be the same as what we listen to unless it's like you know star lord or something in what's it the guardians of the galaxy i think that's part of the reason like, that made me love the guardians of the galaxy yeah. soundtrack was because like yeah. yes finally someone's listening to music in their spaceship um well, so I think this kind of uh, brings us to our title question. Do I still love it? Celery Jones. Yes, definitely. Laura Weiss. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great movie. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I totally dig it. It's a very fun kids sci-fi movie with a decent amount of, like I said, a decent amount of mindfuckery going around with this whole Rip Van Winkling for th- for eight years. That's kind of a deep, real terror. The idea that the whole world will grow up suddenly when you don't. Yeah. Also, if you want some further mindfuckery, go watch that video of Tom DeLonge <laughs> when they announce this thing. Because I tell you what, it is good watching. Maybe like, Tom DeLonge is. 
David. That's kind of, I mean, oh the time God. age is right. right. Oh my yeah. gosh, the age is right. Well, uh, I'd really like to thank our guest, uh, Celery Jones. Celery, do you have any projects coming up that you'd like to plug on the show? I do. I am making a lot of stuff for the HGTV Dream Home once again. Uh, go to HGTV.com and enter to win that bad boy in January. It'll air. Do uh, we know where it is? It is. It's in Gig Harbor, Washington, which is freaking beautiful. It is so stunning. Every night there was a different sunset. That view alone is worth like two gazillion dollars. Okay. Anyway, but I'll, I'll also, yeah. CelerySelleryJones.com is where my artwork is. I'm going to need to update. That. It's fantastic. <laughs> Definitely recommend. If you are a fan of the visual art medium, Celery Jones is second to none. <laughs> uh, well, that just about does it uh, for Do I Still Love It? I'm Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. Saying... All these dogs are dead. Uh, no. Oh, all these dogs are dead. <laughs> There's some talented dogs in this film. Right. Yeah, but they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's all.